Is there any athlete who has retired in recent years who you really miss seeing compete? Maybe from a personal level or just the fact that they put up really interesting stats? Oh, shoot. Besides, uh, Matt Fraser is not a valid answer here. I'm going to take that one off the table, <laughs> okay. by the way. Yeah, well, an easy one, of course. It's not, he's not fully retired. It's Rich Froning. You know, I mean, that's always the obvious, you know, what would have happened individual. But, you know, that's everyone's drawn out that debate. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to my good friend, Chad Schroeder, the CrossFit Games lead of sports statistics. Chad has been working on the stat side of fitness for nearly a decade, from unlikely beginnings as a volunteer to a driving force behind how top athletes in CrossFit are measured and compared from one year to the next and even from one event to the next, to be honest. Chad has helped CrossFit grow as a sport year in and year out, and his story is a fascinating look behind the scenes when it comes to growth from a grassroots phenomenon to a staple of strength sports programming. But before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout out to today's episode sponsor, Athletic Greens. I first tried Athletic Greens back in 2012. It was already a massively popular daily supplement, And since then, they've undergone dozens of formulation tweaks, each an improvement on the last. It's the rare all-in-one green supplement that's NSF certified, a must for competitive athletes, and also tastes delicious. Interested in trying it? Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash barbend to get a free gift with your purchase. Now let's get on to the show. Chad, it is a pleasure to be talking to you. It's always a treat when I get to chat with you, whether it's in person at the games or or virtually, which is much more common these days. (laughs) But for those who don't know too much about you and your background, you've been in the CrossFit space for a long time. How did you first get into CrossFit? That's the first thing I should ask. Sure. Yeah, I started in uh, 2009. Um, Cole Christensen who is the owner of CrossFit Roots. Um, you, she's on the seminar staff. Uh, you can probably see her in some videos and such. And she's also one of the, the original Dave Whisperer at the games. Um, she, I, we used to work together. And uh, she, then she started her gym on the side and said, hey, do you want to work out with CrossFit? And I said, uh, sure, Errol, I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, yeah, that was 2009. So I was CrossFitting then just at their gym at CrossFit Roots, one of their original... Uh, setups they've gone through different iterations now it's a really nice really one of the best crossfit gyms out there i would say um but then i i competed in such but just casually uh, tried out you know sectionals and such and oh regional. way back way back yeah back to the sectional yeah 2010 yeah so sectionals and then a regional team or when we did you can just sign up in 2010 but um didn't make it but that's fine. I knew where I kind of stood, but it's definitely like to compete. And I, I like the action. I was always a sports fan. Um, so I, when I saw that, heard about the games, I was like, Oh, what is this? I didn't actually know. Nicole talked about the games in 2009, but I didn't really think anything of it. I was just starting in CrossFit 
then 2010 was the first time they put it on uh, the internet. And I watched it that weekend and I was just mesmerized. I was just hooked like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is fun to watch. So um, 2011 came, I volunteered to work the media at um, regionals, Southwest regionals that year. And I was just uh, tweeting on the sidelines because we, we had a video coverage, but it was all tape delayed. It was just post-production uh, recaps. So, but the only way to get live results out besides the leaderboard, we would tweet. So I was helping like tweet, you know, results, heat winners and such. And so that was fun. But so I signed up to do it again in 2012 at regionals, but after doing it in 11, I figured it'd be nice to have some context to give to these athletes, some background, like how great this performance was, or, or this is a really superstar, et cetera. So build up some stats and such on the Southwest regional, um, athletes and really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was really fun tweeting that year. Um, that was the year Chris Spieler had his epic comeback. You know, the hashtag Spieler was turned in and stuff. So that was really fun. And then uh, the regional media director recommended me to HQ say, hey, this guy would do really good. You should bring him out to the games. And uh, Rory McKernan called me up and said, hey, would you like to come out? And I said, sure, that'd be great. And I said, I'll just bring all my stats and I'll merge them with everyone else's regional stats and, you know, help out. And he said, we don't really have other regional stats. And so a light bulb went off in my head, like, oh, I could do this. So that was I had like a month or so to get ready for the games that year um, in 2012. And uh, so I got as much as I could on the athletes that qualified and then went out there and worked it. It was in the TV production trucks and it was just amazing. It was a rush. It was like so eye-opening to me. But then the following year, they had me come back like at the beginning of the season in the open regionals. And I just started building stat databases and building upon what I'd done. And I've been there ever since. So this is my uh, 10th year doing basically all the stat research for uh, CrossFit. And and would you consider yourself the foremost authority on official CrossFit game statistics at this point? I would say so. I've heard like uh, unofficial historian or um, my title is the CrossFit lead of sport statistics. Uh, yeah, you can probably call me that. <laughs> so a question. I mean, it, have you watched the movie Moneyball? Because I can't think of that movie without thinking of Chad. At this point. No, I have not. And actually, I think maybe when in our previous discussion, you brought it up and I probably didn't. But I remember that was with uh, the Oakland A's and the, and the stat or the general manager. And yeah, Sabermetricians, which is a little different. It was originally a book. I'm referencing the movie. I should probably reference the book. But there's like. There are stats folks in that movie and getting to know you over the last year, I've been like, oh, well, he's the, he's created this revolution for CrossFit. He's the first one to actually make this a thing in CrossFit. What is your role like these days? So we actually met in person for the first time at the games this year in Madison. Um, but your work starts kind of is kind of throughout the CrossFit game season. So take us through that and what you're actually doing for CrossFit these days. Sure. Um, yeah, it's. Pretty much what I started back in like 2012, 13, I just have continued to build on my, the stat databases. Um, I start basically kind of in January, um, about a month or so before the open, start getting uh, information together. And when the open comes, I help gather stats for the uh, open announcement competitors. So the announcers have, you know, talking points and such and comparisons. 
Um, then I track like the weekly results and such, and then uh, help, you know, like the update show or how they have it, uh, like Game Central, which it's called now, just help them with uh, like trends or, oh, look at this person, this is a surprise. And so do that. And then like this season was new with the quarterfinals. So I help, you know, coverage with that. And then just building stats and people to watch your notable performances. And then then into the semifinals, I helped put um, a research packet together for all the media teams on site. So they had talking points on the athletes, uh, background stats and such. And I did it for all the semifinals. I used to do it for all the regionals in the past. So help kind of accumulate that. So media and then the the TV production, graphics people are working off the same uh, uh, information. And then come games time, I'd do the same. I just do it more in depth. I do it for all the uh, age divisions, the, uh, um, of course, individual teams, age divisions, and then adaptive this year. So um, obviously uh, individuals, I'll get more in depth with uh, bios and past results and such, but I've been doing yeah, for the teams and the age divisions and such. So it's kind of throughout the year, I do all this and put all this information together for all the media sources. So either um, the announcers, the uh, floor reporters, um, the uh, MCs on the field, uh, uh, game site, uh, media, or social media, uh, writers and such. And I've, I've written a couple articles as well throughout the year, more stats driven on results and diving into the weeds on uh, all the interesting statistics and such. So it's kind of a quick overview <laughs> of uh, everything I do. So it's a lot, but yeah, it's, it's pretty... Uh, Pretty rewarding and fun. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, a quick shout out to our episode sponsor, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is the daily all-in-one supplement with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and more to help your body perform at the highest level. It mixes easily, tastes delicious, and is a personal favorite way for me to start the day. And yes, I actually am a repeat customer. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash barbend today to check it out. Now let's get back to the conversation. I think that a lot of people don't necessarily realize, and when I first got to strength sports coverage, I didn't necessarily realize this. Color commentators, uh, announcers, people on the floor, we kind of take for granted as audience members, and we think that a lot of this knowledge they just kind of have stored in their head, or they might just be coming up with it spontaneously. Like, oh, this is actually this person's you know seventh ever event win at the CrossFit Games dating back to 2014, blah, blah, blah. That stuff doesn't always come off the dome. Now, sometimes it does. Sometimes you'll have someone who will just know something, but it's all researched and prepared ahead of time. In the CrossFit world, a lot of that research leads back to you, Chad. So what do you try and keep in mind when you're when you're building or, or pulling stats or interesting factoids for broadcast? Are you looking for particular categories of statistics, achievements, or trends? Um, I, I try to get at everything because you never know what's going to actually happen during the coverage. And obviously event wins is always kind of the big thing and always have that tally ready to go um, because that always, you're always going to have an event winner and such. But um, I just try to look for, try to get it all together and just be, be prepared for whatever comes up because you never really know what, how, how the games are going to unfold. And it comes into play uh, really well at near the end of the games when records are starting to be set, 
podiums and such, youngest person, oldest person, uh, longest streaks. I always like to track the streaks. That's always really significant, give uh, context to the performances we're watching out there. And um, I got to give credit that our announcers are really good. They've been around a long time, a lot of them as, as long as I have. So a lot of them do have it on the top of their heads, but some of the more like detailed, minuscule ones are stuff that I'm helping to like pull out and try to like get it to, we tell them like, um, as, as events happening, uh, event wins so-and-so, or they just moved into second place all time and so-and-so categories. So, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of just be prepared for whatever potentially could come up because you want, you only have like, when you're broadcasting, you only have a finite moment to really get that information in there to be relevant because you can't like push pause on the event. And then I got to dig this up. Okay. This is really cool to say, let's say this because uh, it moves on the story goes, so you have to have it like ready at the moment. Otherwise it's kind of lost. So what in your mind is the, I'm going to ask you a series of, of just kind of opinion questions as someone who's been exposed to the sport for a long time and seen a lot of it. What in your mind is the most impressive or one of the most impressive streaks in CrossFit games history? Uh, oh, that's interesting. I would you got well, the leading, the most obvious ones right now, which on the forefront of most people's mind are um, uh, Matt and Tia with their five win championship streaks. It's just incredible how they've done it. And it's fortunate. I think we're going to get to see Tia go break Matt's record for the most all time next year. We kind of pinned her down on it this year. Hey, are you coming back? And she said, absolutely. So that, that's, that was good to hear. That's an amazing streak. But I'm also, I like following all the other streaks, like in Masters, um, um, people that follow Masters know, but Lynn Knappman out of uh, Australia has been to every Masters competition. So it's uh, 11 this year. And so that that's insane because the next closest is Ron Ortiz, who's who's been to nine. <laughs> I think I got that right, <laughs> nine. And then after that, there's a few that I think a couple out of eight and then seven, but that's really hard for masters because as we get older, we break down and we get injured and a lot of masters will take a season off to heal up or they wait till they age up to the next age group when they have a advantage. But those master streaks are some of the most impressive, I think, too. It's like Lynn Knappman is... I caught, like to call her the Iron Woman of the Masters. So that's that's certainly, and especially because every, I mean, Masters qualification has changed. It's had a lot of different iterations. So to be consistent at that level for for that long is, I mean, certainly noteworthy. Okay, another question, and this is just your personal opinion. Who do you think are some of the more underrated CrossFit athletes we've seen in the last few years? Oh, underrated! Ah, shoot. Uh, mm, oh man, it's, it's gonna you're gonna stump me here. Uh, ah, shoot, that's hard to say. I I like uh, I, I'm not yeah, I'm not gonna be coming up with some great names, but I like the athletes that are able to keep making it back, maybe overperform from their their talents and such. Um. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> no, no, but, no, no, uh, not a, it's a tough question. It's kind of like saying, you know, I, I didn't give you much more direction. I was like in this wide field of thousands of athletes, who do you think is a little bit underrated? And the thing is at the games level, 
all the athletes are really good. They've all won some accolades, right? So who's underrated of all these like championship level folks? That's kind of a rough question I'm asking. Yeah, actually, actually, I I'll jump back. Yeah, because I did we did cover them um, at the end here. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, at the end of their careers, um, Scott Pancheck and uh, Kristen Holta, who are obviously they just both retired um, this year. Um, Scott was more uh, more of a public uh, retirement and such. I mean, I wouldn't say he was underrated because he was always there, but he was just on the cusp. And I was I definitely describe him as the best CrossFit athlete to never a podium, individual podium for sure. I mean, there's some others that did very like that close to that category, like Dan Bailey um, and such. And there's a couple others that were really like close, but yeah, Scott was just amazing. And he did get a lot of attention, but so not necessarily underrated, but close. And then uh, Kristen Holta was amazing athlete. Now she did podium um, 2019 but uh, she was always kind of just overshadowed by the uh, a lot of the uh, European women, the Icelanders and the Australians, for good reason. I mean, they were amazing, but she was just right behind them often. And so those were probably two, I'd, I'd say, good ones right there. I, I Someone once likened, and I can't take credit for this, they called Scott Panchik the Charles Barkley of CrossFit, and that he was always the name, like a perennial all-star, but never won the championship. In this case, championship being like a podium finish. Um, and I, you know, I haven't run that by Scott. I'm not sure if he'd like the Charles Barkley comparison or, or not. That's sometimes a divisive figure, but you're, you're right. He got a few, four, I think he had what, two or three fourth place finishes in a row or three, or he had three total, all, all of his finishes except two were in the, uh, top six. So, and then he was 11th this year and 11th and seventh. I think it was in or 18. And the reason, of course, he was 11th this year is because he had that knee injury that if had not been that injury, I was I was leaning heavily to for him definitely to podium, if not win it, because I thought, I mean, he had it was it's kind of just kind of a Greek tragedy. How he, he like he had the best opening ever had in second. He won the qualifier, the quarterfinals. Uh, if you do the scores worldwide. He won that came in second at the Mac. Um, and then, then just had that knee injury. And it's like, Oh, because then I mean, he won two events on a hobble knee. So it's like, what? And it's funny. I was kind of playing around with the numbers and I think he could have podium this year. I don't know if he could have got Medeiros or Vellner, but I think he would have been definitely in the mix had not been that injury. So that that's, have you ever thought about starting like a, a, a fantasy CrossFit league or something like well, that. There are people that are doing that are doing that, and I've actually I, I've, I've uh, fantasy fitnessing. I think they're called. Yeah, they 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 do. They've got a at least an IG account, so I jump on there, and they and they've got different ways. But there's there's so many ways to do it. It's funny you bring that up because I was just you know I was yesterday is first week of the NFL and I was monitoring my football team, fantasy team and stuff. And I was just thinking about, you know, how fun it would be to do for CrossFit. And there's so many different ways to do it. Um, it I think it, it's going to get maybe there in the future. So I know other the people are doing it kind of informally or they do have a rough system set up, but it would be fun to really dive into it, like how the NFL has it set up. So did anyone at the games um, surprise you this year? Because going into the games, you have access to more data than anyone and you're spending a lot of time with it. So you know how people have historically performed, whether they have long careers or whether they're relatively new. 
Did anyone at the end of the week in Madison just stand out to you as as someone who performed much better than you might have? Pardon me, than you might have expected. Um, I would say um, with Medeiros, that was I was surprised with that. Um, I thought he would win or be right there in the mix with Vellner and such, but I wasn't sure. I thought Vellner could maybe get him. So that was, but then again, I knew he'd be right there. I think the one who probably stood out the most was Annie. I mean, that, and I knew she was getting better through the season. I mean, but that was just an amazing story coming from uh, um, having, giving birth 10 months prior, not even a year, which is just an amazing feat to get back and it seems like like each level of competition, she was just getting by or, or doing well, but not not any level. But she was getting better in quarterfinals and then semifinals. It's like, oh, okay, that's great. But now when she gets to the games against you know all these top athletes, so I was thinking maybe top ten, top fifteen. But to get third, that was just that was a great moment. I was really impressed. Um, that was probably the biggest surprise for me. I, I like to see, I like seeing Horvath get back there too. I'm, I really like her. Um, I know her Achilles heel has always been handstand pushups, but um, just when she got there and then, yeah, so I did have her up high. So I wasn't quite surprised, but just, I liked her comeback for the season for sure. So I think those two were probably the, the biggest or Annie for probably the one with the biggest surprise, I would say. Is there any athlete who has retired in recent years who you really miss seeing compete? Maybe from a personal level or just the fact that they put up really interesting stats? Oh, shoot. Besides, uh, Matt Fraser is not a valid answer here. I'm going to take that one off the table, <laughs> okay. by the way. Yeah, well, an easy one, of course. It's not, he's not fully retired. It's Rich Froning. You know, I mean, that's always the obvious, you know, what would have happened individual. But, you know, that's everyone's drawing out that debate. Um, Oh gosh, there's um, some. Ah, uh, shoot. I'm, oh, shoot, I'm getting stumped again. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think of it, but um, probably it'd come back to me. But yeah, there was just some ath- like, oh, Valley of Vobral. I really liked her a lot. Um, she was one of my favorites just because of her story and a full time teacher, mom. And so she was like uh, the, like, the first besides Annie who got on there, there was two women who podium in 2009 that were moms, but then uh, Val was the last one to do it. And that was in 13. So when the competition really started ramping up and then she then came back and then uh, fifth place after that. And it's just really impressive. I always, I, I liked always seeing her compete because she's not a flashy athlete, but uh, just consistent and really nice person. And just the storyline too. Uh, I like storylines with people who are good in backgrounds and narratives. Stats are nothing if there aren't stories behind them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you, you brought up Rich Froning, so I got to ask. You're the world's foremost authority on, on CrossFit statistics. And I, always, I like watching like... um. I think it was the, the 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 last Rocky movie where they they put him like he was inspired to fight again because they put him in a simulation against the current world champion to see who would win and people are people are always doing this in sports and boxing especially it's like they'll put them in simulations against historic fighters. Okay, Rich Froning, how would he do today as an individual? In in his current age, you know, he's in his you know, mid-30s now. And then he, how do you think he would stack up if he competed today, but in his prime? 
Oh, um, I, if he was training, like if he, if he continued to train as he did as an individual and still at this age and then still and was competing, you would, I mean, he's, his fitness is insane. Obviously just how he was in the open this year, I think fourth or something. So even that, not competing on individual. Um, he could be, I would say in the podium mix and uh, this year he would have, he would have, I think by giving Vellner and Medeiros a run and that's assuming he was never let up, you know, training, like training as an individual. So, because I, I've been just so impressed with his longevity, speaking of that longevity with Lynn Knappman, um, because yeah, her first games was 2010 Rich's first games of 2010 and yeah, he's never missed. So he's always been, well, except uh, 2020, which kind of <laughs> COVID took that away from him. So, um, I mean, he's had his injuries, you know, through, um, through the years, little nagging ones, but nothing to take him out, but he's fought through a lot of injuries. I think he's had some knee issues and such, maybe some minor surgeries. So just his, that's just being, he's so impressive with this, how he's been able to maintain that level of fitness for this long, because yeah, as I like went on about Lynn and how impressive that was just for rich to do it. And at his, that high, this high level, and he just improved too, just like in his weaknesses, like swimming and like distance running and such where he didn't have, I mean, on teams swimming is important, but it's not as critical as individuals, but he still made it an effort to go out there and be like the best swimmer out there, which saying something that's very impressive yeah he doesn't his weaknesses don't stay weaknesses for long and just i mean i'm correct me if i'm wrong here rich froning has made the podium every time he's been to the crossfit games correct period yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah just two seconds and the rest are all firsts so four uh individuals and five team and an individual second and a team second that is remarkable that besides 2020 when there just was no team competition that is such a remarkable streak and i hadn't thought about his podium streak like that but it just continued on from individual yeah. to team yeah and on each team uh oh, shoot i should know this but i think every team was there was at least one different member each year maybe the first two teams no i think every team or maybe their second and third year their or their yeah their um, champion. Uh, no, I think each team was a little different. Each team had, he had a different uh, lineup. So that's, that's another thing just shows how impressive that was. So. I, I've heard some stories of, of, uh, of training with Rich as a team member and kind of having to get to his level is, uh, is tougher. I think for some people competing as team members than they ever had to train individually, at least as far as the mental component. So certainly someone who, uh, demands greatness and, and gets it from his teams. And the proof is in, is in the championships. Exactly. I've heard those similar stories. I've never actually, I've never been to Cookville. Yeah. To, uh, mayhem freedom, uh, the gym or CrossFit mayhem. And, um, yeah, but no, it's definitely breach champions there. <laughs> yeah. I I have the distinction of having gone. The last time I was in Cookville was um, before Rich Froning had ever heard of CrossFit. So I think the last time I was in Cookville was in Cookville, Tennessee, was probably two thousand six. Okay, that's right. You're 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 not too far away in Kentucky, or or, or yeah. I, I was in I was in boarding school in Chattanooga actually, and we would compete in this is not in not in fitness. 
not in football, compete in Science Bowl at ah. Tennessee to at Tennessee Tech. <laughs> So okay, uh, there you go. Just to just to outline um, what I was doing in, in high school for a lot of my time, uh, science bowl competition, a little different than what than what they're known for now. I was like on the trivia or the trivia bowl or whatever it's called, like the Jeopardy team. So I understand. I was like that as well. <laughs> this this podcast, a scary number of times, devolves into conversations about like weird scientific concepts. Oh, yeah. a podcast <laughs> last week, the last ten minutes, we just talk about dinosaurs. So people are used to it. The listeners are okay. used to it at this point. <laughs> Great, <laughs> Chad. What are you most looking forward to in the upcoming season of the CrossFit Games? Mm-hmm. Uh, upcoming season. Uh, well, definitely. I'm glad to see Tia coming back. Like as I was mentioned earlier, that was great to see that she's um, still um, wants to come back and compete. So that that was thrill. I'm happy to see that. I, I like to see the evolution of the men's field still. See if Medeiros can come back and defend how those Canadian guys are going to hang with them. They're both getting a Fredinkowski and Vellner getting a little older. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can make ground or if Justin kind of starts uh, taking on the Frazier model because I know he's kind of getting uh, mentored now by Frazier. So he's giving them all the tricks of the trade. So does Justin become the next one or – that's going to be interesting to see because it's always uh, getting the first one. I think it's always big, but yeah, then coming back and defending in any sport, you know, being able to come back and defend. So that's going to be, it'll be fun to watch. And on the women's side, yeah, well, Tia, obviously, I mean, if she comes back and competes, I mean, it's foregone conclusion. She's going to win unless she's injured or some freak thing happens. It's, she's just, it's a, un, insane. Her level of athleticism, um, I'm, it'd be interesting to see if she makes the uh, Australian bobsled team for the Olympics this year. I think that's her goal because she's trained, you know, last year practicing for them. And I, w- I was telling a lot of people, I think it's she's now on the in the conversation one of the best female athletes ever. I mean, just of any sport, like uh, you know, Babe Dickerson or you know some of these other Jackie Joyner, Kersey, some of these other uh, decathletes and such. Because just how she's like if she comes back in six straight CrossFit Games championships, two different Olympics and different sports, summer and winter, that would be amazing. So I'm looking forward to kind of the off season to see how she does with that. And then if she comes back with CrossFit and then also maybe on the women's side too, the, the uh, youngsters, um, Mal O'Brien obviously was amazing and, but it kind of overshadowed a bit by that, uh, Mal's performance was Emma Carey too, who had a great year too. I think was 16th, 17th. So as a 17 year old as well. So those two were just phenomenal just seeing what they come back next year and do. And, and then heck there'll be probably another crop of teenagers. I know that were, that, that were great this year too, that maybe knocking on the door to get in. So those are probably the big things. It's an exciting time, kind of some changing of the guard, but also the old mm-hmm. guard still, old guard, exactly. quote, in quotes now, yeah. still, still <laughs> hanging on there. Well, Chad, where's the best place for people to follow along uh, with you, especially heading into next season? Sure. Um, probably the best place is my Instagram account, uh, just uh, C Schroeder 111, and Schroeder is uh, S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. Um, I don't post often. I, I usually post like whenever I have a new article coming up with CrossFit. So, but that's probably the best. It's the account I check the most. Um, and I, my articles will be on the game site as well occasionally. So people catch me there as well. 
Awesome. Chad, thanks so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure getting to chat with you under any circumstance and just a treat to get to record with you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, David. It's, it's been a joy. Thanks very much. 